0: RadioInfluence.com. I oh, got him in the white trucks. He hurt him. Dead. Beautiful. Oh God, that's beautiful. He's got it. And he forced the top. One. And here comes the submission. And it's all over. It's oh, all over. First round knockout. And now Rich Clunn retains his belt. The one thing that I never thought in a million years would happen happened. The champion. The challenger. Here we go. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. What is up everyone? It is time for another interview edition of the MMA Report Podcast as I have got two fire interviews here on this episode of the podcast. Both undefeated prospects. One fighter who is looking to go to 6-0 in his career come up here uh, later on this month and a fighter who won his professional debut last month at Unified MMA 50. That first conversation you're going to hear is with Robbie Ring who is and 5-0 in his career. He is going to be t- Taking on Corey Delaney at Aries Fight Series on April the 22nd there in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, the best way to describe kind of this conversation is it's, you know, a, a big part of this conversation is letting you get to know who Robbie is. But also it's about the fact of, you know, Robbie, towards the end of this conversation, talks about being a man on a mission. And, and that mission is getting to the UFC. And you figure if he gets a win here at Aries, he's probably going to be a guy that potentially may we see on the contender series here this summary comes from a fighting family. His, his parents have been involved in martial arts all their life, and uh, he's a guy that just has not been wasting any time in his career with uh, pro victories in sixteen seconds, thirteen seconds, thirty-seven seconds, and forty seconds. His last one against UFC vet. He, it took him nine minutes and two seconds to get a win there. Um, and the last two wins have come by Darce choke submission. And the interview you're going to hear is with the man who won his professional debut at Unified MMA 50 there at the end of March, Tony Rojas. Got a second round TKO victory. This is a man that got a little bit of a later start in mixed martial arts. Uh, he, he made his amateur debut there in 2021 with 3-1 and one as amateur, now 1-0 as a professional And he is a former soccer player who played in Costa Rica. We talked about uh, his Costa Rican roots with his family and how he ended up in Canada and all the things in relation to him. So you hear both those interviews here coming up here in a moment here on this edition of the MMA Report podcast. Now, of course, I come in here two days following UFC 287, as we saw what a memorable moment there in the main event of UFC 287 of Izzy regaining the middleweight title, man, what a knockout against Alex Bahia, and and of course, myself and Daniel, we'll talk more about this on on the midweek edition, I can just tell you, as uh, I was sitting on my couch on Saturday night watching that fight, and... You know, kind of in that first round, as I'm sitting here watching these two guys, you know, two you know stand-up specialists go at it. You know, the one thing that really did stick out to me was the fact of like you're you're watching that fight going, man. These are just two high-level kickboxers, and, and I think that you saw both guys kind of being patient with what they were doing. It was interesting when Izzy walked out, and you see the demeanor on his face, and you kind of had that that mindset of is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? The way he was, uh, you know, way his, his mindset was leading into that matchup, man. Man, what an iconic moment there! And you know, you talk about things in life that that happened, and you know, we all have our our own things that we we go through on a day in a day out basis. But that post fight speech there from Izzy really stuck out to me as you know. And um, you know, I've talked about on the podcast that you know I, I do find myself. You know, spending a lot of time on TikTok, and you know, when you go to that for you section right now in TikTok, a lot of it to me is there's a lot of inspirational quotes. And when when Izzy talked about you know just hoping that everyone would have this kind of happiness that he has, it it's just something that really stuck out to me. I, I know you don't come here for inspirational type stuff, but it was something that really did stick out to me about what Izzy said, and, and just a whole you know post fight speech where he, he talked about you know you know having happiness and. Um, You know, I've got a friend and and we talk about we've talked about this recently of just, you know, finding those things that that bring you happiness, that bring you joy. And uh, I will tell you this, that that post fight interview really did uh, stick out to me and just kind of, um, you know, things that uh, go on with me. In an everyday life, uh, of course. Uh, also, UFC 287, we saw Gilbert Burns go out there and get a win against Jorge Masvidal, and Jorge Masvidal calling it a career when uh, after the judge's decision was read, which I don't think is probably a surprise to a lot of people. I think we all saw this coming based on the comments that he had said to the media during fight week, and uh, you know, but it's also very interesting. Of it, it doesn't happen a lot in this sport. Where you have a fighter who understands when you know that fastball just isn't there anymore, and you know I'm I, you know how many times do you see a, a not just a fighter but an athlete they they stick around a, maybe a little bit too long, and but also I think it, maybe it's one of those things with, with Jorge is the fact of yeah you know, he has uh by all signs it looks like has been very successful in the business world outside of his fighting career with uh, you know what what he's doing in the liquor business and. Obviously, you look at uh, what he has been doing with his promotional business, with with Gamebred Boxing, Gamebred, um, you know, Bare Knuckle, and, and all that. It seems like he's doing very well. I mean, especially when you look at some of those uh, disclosed paydays that were thrown out there for his boxing events. So, um, you know, it's one of those things. And I was I was watching a little bit of Dana White's post fight press conference, and, and he was really spot on with the fact of you know he said about how that flying knee really changed the career of Jorge Massadal. I mean, I think when you look at what Jorge was able to do in 2019. I think that's that's just one of those memorable years, and it's kind of one of those things where you think about, you know, the UFC does these videos on UFC Fight Pass, where they call it, you know, the year of the fighter, and it's a fighter talking about you know a certain year of what they're able to do and they're tremendous if you have a USC fight pass description highly recommend going out there and watch those videos they are absolutely tremendous and when you think about that 2019 I mean that was a that was a life-changing year for Jorge Maswell and it's, and it's gonna be kind of interesting to see you know kind of where uh, Jorge goes from here You know, in terms of you know in terms of you know what's he gonna be around combat sports will be uh, very interesting to see there uh, in terms of that uh, also uh, how about Rob Font, man? I mean, he's got those Tampa ties so you know all kind of got a, a little bit of a spot for me uh when it comes to Rob Font. And man, that, that fight lived up to what you thought it was going to be. And, you know, it was one of those question marks going into it of, you know, it was a, a step up in competition for Adrian Yañez. How would he step up to that competition? And I thought he was having a lot of success. And then, you know, Rob Font, I mean there's, I mean, look. The, there's a reason a lot of people think he has one of the best jabs in, in all of mixed martial arts, and, and he goes out there. I mean, look, and Adrian Yanez is a young guy. He's going to learn from this. He's going to become a better martial artist for that. But yeah, man, that that was uh, that was a fight that you know we me and Daniel talked about leading up to this was why we were so excited for that one, and the fight absolutely delivered. It, it was gave you exactly what you wanted. Uh, Kevin Holland looked very good against Santiago Uh, You know, Santiago, you know, protesting. The stoppage there at the start of the fight, at, at the end of the fight. And then when you go back and you watch the replay, you're like, no, man, that's a good stoppage. That that was a good stoppage uh, by him in, in terms of that one. And then, of course, you know, the opening fight of the pay per view, Raul Rosas Jr. Uh, goes out there and suffers his first career defeat. Uh, Christian Rodriguez, I think Christian Rodriguez deserves a lot of credit for uh, A, being able kind of to survive the relentlessness of Raul Rojas Jr. there in the first round. And, you know, you really saw the, the fact of, how he slowed, how Raul slowed down after that first round. I mean, he was just, he was putting on a pace there. And, you know, that's going to be kind of interesting, you know, and, you know, obviously there's some people that, whether you like Raul or 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 not, you know, or you know, he 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 was definitely on a fast track, and you know, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going to question his camp, his management team was saying, you know, hey, did you rush it too quick? But, um, you know, look, it's going to be a learning lesson from him. I, I think that one of the things that's going to be interesting with the next time we see Raul back into the cage is, you know, do we maybe see more of a a, an aspect of him where he, he just knows how to manage that cardio of knowing when you can go for it all and whatnot, but uh, you know that that was uh, it, it was interesting, you know. And I gotta give my guy, my guy Pete Rogers Jr. credit for that one. He kind of he thought that that was a potential that that could go down the way that um, you know other things from UFC 287 that that stuck out to me. Great matchup between Kelvin Gaslam and, and Chris Curtis. I mean, in all reality, you're you're talking about two guys who. Their best weight class would be 170, and obviously Kelvin's had you know had the issues of making 170 pounds. So it was kind of a you know it wasn't a situation where Kelvin was fighting somebody that was just you know bigger than him. But I thought Kelvin looked great, man. I, I thought that was one of the best Kelvin Gastelum we've seen in a long time, and obviously it had been I mean well, it was you know nearly two years since the last time Kelvin Gastelum. A bit back in the cage, and he looked good. And Chris Curtis has moments, man. You know, I, I think if you know if you're probably Chris Curtis, maybe you go back and you look at that fight, and maybe say, man, I should have pushed that pace a little bit more. But man, Chris Curtis, it, it was a great fight. Rightfully so, got five of the night, and uh, it'd be kind of interesting to see where, where Kevin Gassam goes here. I mean, obviously he's a guy this age. I mean, he's only going to be facing top ten top 15 type guys so it's gonna be interesting to kind of see how the UFC books him going forward and and maybe you know with, especially with the fact of how much time you know it was away from the cage for Kelvin Gaslam you know do we potentially see him more uh there in the octagon so we'll see what kind of happens there but of course uh we'll get Daniel's thoughts here uh, in the midweek edition of the show so be on lookout that will come out Wednesday evening so you can look out for that but let's get right into the interviews up first you're gonna hear my conversation with Robbie Ring then it will be with Tony Rojas Joining me now here on the MMA report is a man that's going to look to go to six and and0 in his professional career Come here, April the 22nd and Chattanooga, Tennessee at Aries fight series. Robbie, I appreciate the time. You know, I was, uh, you know, I was kind of, you know, looking at some of the things and your nicknames razor. I mean, was there ever a point the nickname was, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just going in there to be in there for a couple of seconds and walking out the door.
1: You know, that, that, that would be a good one. You know, Scott, you know, I, in my first couple of pro fights, I, I've had a lot of luck in there. So
0: for people who do not know 16 seconds, 13 seconds, 37 seconds, 40 seconds. Now, last time you, you, you got some uh, cage experience, I guess they say, you know, and, and that's kind of like, it's this interesting thing, you know, because I, I think that there's like, you know, obviously you're, you're not paid by the minute you're paid to get in there and get out. But then, you know, you have some fires will say, you know what, like, and, and obviously you've been doing this for some time you know, with your amateur and pro career. They'll say, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get some cage, you know, some cage time in and, you know, and having that feeling like, do you look at your last fight as like the example of like, okay, I kind of needed that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's the fights that you go in there and, you know, you have to kind of, uh, put everything together that you feel the most accomplished after you know uh, my last fight against jacob kilburn he was a uh, ufc vet and uh, he had just recently got cut from the ufc so i knew that he was going to be a good opponent and i got to get in there and uh, you know work my striking and uh, my wrestling and my jiu-jitsu all in one fight so i felt real good getting some uh, experience in there that i was missing in my earlier uh, professional fights
0: See, so Tapology is my go-to site when I'm, you know, doing some prep for interviews. And uh, so I'm on your Tapology page and I'm like, God damn it. I am feeling goddamn old because you were born two months after I graduated high school. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm getting old. But then the other thing that stuck out to me is you're only 22 years old, but when you go to kind of this martial arts start for you, you were taking exhibition matchups back in 2015. We can do the math and figure out how old you were at that point. So like when, when does martial arts become part of your life?
1: Yeah. So both my mom and dad are lifelong martial artists. Uh, My mom, she was a professional kickboxer back in the eighties. And my dad, I tell everybody he was doing jujitsu before jujitsu was even cool. Um, He, you know, he started out teaching in the basement of uh, our house and had students then back in like 1998. And uh, so when I was born, I kind of grew up in a martial arts gym. My parents opened up a gym here called Ring Combat Sports back whenever I was before I was born. Mm -hmm. So I remember, you know, growing up at the gym. And then, you know, at first I started out doing karate. Didn't really have the love uh for karate that i do mma but when i turned eight years old i did jujitsu and that's i was like that's what i want to do and then i started putting two and two together mma came along and i've been doing mma since i was about 10 years old and uh it took off from there i had my first uh, unofficial expedition mma Mm -hmm. fight at 15 and then i haven't stopped since then i'm 22 now so i've been at it for a little while
0: yeah, I mean, the way I look at that, of talking about your story, I, I think it's like this this new breed of mixed martial artists, of, you know, someone that's around your age, maybe a little bit older, where, you know, back of, you know, say someone who's competing right now that's in their, you know, say their 30s, you know, they grew up in one discipline, you know, wrestling, obviously, here in, in the United States, it's always been that big discipline. Like, do you kind of view it of like, do you view yourself kind of as that new breed of fighter where... It's just not one discipline, it was at a young age, you were just getting all the disciplines in at once?
1: Oh, 100%. It was just like at high school, you know, we had a wrestling team here. Where I'm from, the wrestling team at the high school wasn't that good, so I never did wrestle in high school. Mm -hmm. But yet I was wrestling state champions at the MMA gym from the time, you know, I was 13 and 14 years old. So I was putting it all together for MMA at that young age. It wasn't just straight jiu or it wasn't just straight boxing or kickboxing. Uh, I spent all my time crafting that full MMA game with all of it.
0: So the nickname Razor, who gave it to you?
1: Uh, it was one of my coaches, Bill Watkins. He uh, told me uh, that I was looking sharp as a Razor. And then he said, uh, Ra- Razor Robbie sticks. So I just ran with it.
0: Is was it a name that uh, nickname that you liked right from the start?
1: Oh yeah, I thought that Razor Robbie Ring uh, felt good to say, <laughs> and you know it was kind of easy to market. You know Razor Robbie Ring, so I I stuck with it. I love it.
0: it. You know, you mentioned about obviously your last win came up against a UFC vet, and you know mentioned the fact of you know prior to that it'd been nothing but quick victories. Like as you you think about your pro run, like how do you describe it?
1: Um, the way that I would describe it is I'm um, on a mission, and uh, I've been working really hard at this for a long time, and my main goal is to make it to the UFC. Um, I've got to go in there and take care of business on the regional scene to get uh, to get noticed, and I can't go in there and get decision after decision because no, that's just like any other fighter out there i'm going in there for a finish and uh, prove a a point that uh, i I belong uh, at another the higher level of mma fighting
0: anyone who's listened to my show for a long time they know one of the things of when i kind of hear that one thing i kind of point to is like you know there's this this line inside of a fight of you know being aggressive but not kind of toting that over aggressive line where you know may, maybe you you're trying to finish a fight it but also you could be leaving yourself open to something yeah like how, how do you balance that in, in terms of knowing or is it just an instinct for you
1: yeah you you definitely have to be careful you can't go out there like it's a street fight you'll get you'll get caught uh you know uh, how i how i explain it is it's it's controlled you got to mm-hmm. be controlled in there and you got to know when to flip that switch um, you know, and that comes from training. We we train hard at Ring Combat Sports in my hometown of Witzville, Virginia. And, you know, that's where you start to pick up those instincts like you were mm-hmm. talking about and knowing and knowing when to pull that trigger in the
0: cage. What do you love the most about the fight game?
1: Ah, uh, what is there not to love about it? I I think that it's the thrill for me. Um there's there's no other adrenaline rush like there is being locked in that cage in and, and front of a thousand people cheering you on. And you know, the family that I've uh, made uh, through my martial arts career, you know, I'm closer to my teammates than I am most of my real family. So those are the two things that I, I really love most about fighting. And it's been real good to me. It's 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 truly a lifestyle to me. I don't know what I would do without MMA fighting.
0: In, in terms of this upcoming matchup here against Corey at Aries Fight Series, as you you think about him as an opponent, what, what, what are some of the challenges you see with this matchup?
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's a lot older than me for one, and he's got more professional fights than me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he's he seems from his tape that I've watched, he, he's very athletic. Um, Real short, stocky, muscled up guy. Um, Pretty good wrestler. I just think that uh, I'm better in every aspect of MMA fighting, striking, grappling, wrestling. And uh, I don't think that he's going to be able to handle the pace that I'm going to bring on fight night.
0: In terms of, of being this overall mixed martial artist uh, of, you know, you just mentioned there, talking about, Hey, I can do this, 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 do you kind of look at that as one of your biggest advantages in a fight of like, man, I can faint so many different things to help set up what I'm truly trying to set up.
1: Yes. And it's uh, and it's a good thing to have, to be well-rounded, especially now that MMA is evolving so much is mm-hmm. if I go in there and I'm looking to strike, and the guy surprises me and you know, starts tagging me on the feet, I always know that I'm capable of taking the fight down to the ground and, and controlling the fight there or pushing the fight up against the fence and landing some damage there in the clinch. Um, it it kind of gives you that sense of relief knowing that no matter where the fight goes, I can take it to where I, I want it to go and find a way to win.
0: Do a little true-false here. Is it true, Darce Chokes, your favorite submission?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, well, you know, any kind of choke. I like I like choking people. Um, it's just something that uh, it's been it's been good for me to use in there because everybody's neck works the same. You cut off the carotid arteries, they either tap or they go to sleep.
0: And, and for people who don't know, the reason I mentioned Darts Choke is because your your two submission wins here ha- have come by Darts. Like, I, I remember Brennan Ward, the the Bellator fighter, this was years ago, and, and I said, hey, would you prefer to, to knock out or, or submit your opponent? And, and he, it, this has always stuck with me. He goes, oh, someone's talking shit about you. What do you want to do? I go, okay, good point. Uh, so for yeah. you, is there, is there a preference or is it more of just having that mentality of I have to take what is given to me?
1: Yeah, definitely take what's given to me. Um, you know, a flashy knockout—I've had those before as an amateur—and you know, it's good. It's cool for a video, but at the same time, getting your hand raised is the ultimate—is the ultimate goal. Um, and whether that comes by submission, a TKO, them quitting on the stool, a win is a win in, in my eyes. Of course, I want it to look impressive. But in my opinion, getting the finish is the most important thing to me.
0: Was there ever a moment, what maybe was back in your amateur career, where you realized like, I just got to take what's there, as opposed to like you know you go into a fight with the mentality of like, oh, it's going to go down like this? And Mm -hmm. was there ever that kind of that moment for you?
1: Yeah, and this is actually uh, my last couple of amateur fights. I I don't know what was going on, but I was kind of having. I was starting to coast a little bit in my fights. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look back at my amateur career, my last few fights were decisions. Yeah, And uh, I had the COVID hit. And, you know, during COVID, I was thinking a lot about, like, I can't keep getting these decisions like this. Mm-hmm. And so then I started realizing, you know, you got to take some, you got to take the opportunities that come to you. If there's a choke open, you got to take it. You can't just settle with being on top, you know, peppering the guy with ground and pound. So that it kind of, it took that me going to decisions, my last few amateur fights to start to realize what I had to do to get a finish. And, um, since then, uh, I've not had any decisions. So I think that something's clicked
2: to me.
0: I mean, like, obviously that was a interesting time for all of us. In our world with with the pandemic and everything that went down especially for fighters because there just wasn't opportunities to compete. Like it, do you I mean I mean I hate to say you you look at the positives but do you look at that positive of like because I was unable to take fights it allowed me to kind of take a deeper dive into okay, here's what I'm doing well. Here's what maybe you thought you weren't doing well and and find that middle ground of how you you mix everything together.
1: Yes, and uh, I, I did an interview before um, and I told the guy that COVID was actually, you know, it was a horrible time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I've known people that's passed away with COVID and it was a horrible time for all yeah. of us. Um, but for me, it gave me some time to sit there and get my mind right. Uh, I, during COVID, I was 19 years old and I was a little immature as a martial artist. And a lot of it was, it was mentally, I I struggled a lot with having confidence in my abilities. Like everybody would tell me, you know, Robbie, you're good. You really could make something out of yourself. But I didn't believe that. And um, COVID really helped me get my mind right to know that, you know, I was good. I can go out there and compete with these guys and and do well. And I can take this as far as I want to take it. So it really was a good thing for me because it allowed me to get my mind right and then whenever I started training again and the gym opened back up, it was I was a different, completely different fighter after Coven.
0: One of the things that Ed was mentioning to me was, uh, you know, some of your hobbies and, and one of the things was about, uh, you like to hunt and fish. So if it's a, you know, it, it's a, 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 Saturday, Sunday, obviously not during, uh, you know, as you're a week or two away from a fight, but like we can go out and enjoy a, you know, a Friday or Saturday, you know, maybe you're out with the family, maybe you're hanging out with the boys and you're going to go fishing or hunting. Like, is there a, like, let's say you're going fishing. Like, is there a certain fish? Like you say, I, I, this is what I'm hunting for today.
1: Yeah. So, uh, my uncle, he, he's actually a professional bass fisherman and, uh, he, he's won a, a bunch of tournaments, you know, at Lake Norman in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so he'll take me out on the boat and we'll, we'll go bass fishing. And then, uh, we also catch a fish called a, a crappie, and we will eat the fire out of those things. We have a fish fry at my granny's house and, uh, we, we will eat fish and then hunting. We always hunt for whitetail, deer, and turkeys. So, whenever I'm not in fight camp, I, I really like just being outside doing uh, outdoorsman stuff. It, it keeps my mind, it kind of, right in that moment, it just lets you think about you know, finding a deer and killing the deer or catching a fish, and it kind of relaxes the mind a little bit.
0: Like fighters talk about that all the time of trying to find something that gets your mind off. Like I'm sure, you know, Corey Delaney is a name that you're thinking about, you know, pretty much every hour of the day you're up on on a day to day basis. But is that for you of you, you've just, you, you, ha- you know, you have to kind of find those things that just allow the brain to rest a little bit?
1: Yes, for sure. And, and a lot of the times it's like the week after my fight. Like after this fight, I plan on going turkey hunting the weekend after. And because uh, fighting, MMA fighting is very, very, very stressful on the mind. I mean, you, you, you drive yourself crazy. I wake up every single day thinking about fighting, and it's all day. I drive my fiance absolutely crazy because I'm making her watch film of Corey Delaney and say, What do you think? What do you think? You know, and so it's good to it's good to have some things like that to keep your mind off of it, and uh, you know, just to relax a little bit.
0: Are you at the point that you're tired of watching his film?
1: Oh yeah, I'm one of these guys. If somebody, (laughs) if a fighter tells you they aren't watching film on their opponent, they're lying because I'm telling you, I, I watch. Corey Delaney, don't know, but I'm going to sleep every single night watching his film and critiquing critiquing him, uh, looking for my openings. I, I pretend that I'm in there with him and what I'm mm-hmm. going to do to him. So, yeah, I, I'm i about done watching Corey Delaney's fights because uh, I've watched him so much.
0: But is it also the same that you're going back and watching your own fights and, and having that, that self analysis of, okay, this is what Corey's watching? This is what like you know like, you know I come from a football world and, and we we constantly live in that self-evaluation of okay what are the tendencies you know no matter what position you play you know like if we're you know choosing an main example of you know hey does do you constantly throw a certain combination if you switch stances like is that a big yeah. part of what you do as well?
1: Oh, yeah. So after every fight, um, when I watch back my film, I try to put myself in the mindset of I'm my opponent Mm -hmm. watching my film, critiquing myself. And, you know, I'm I'm really my biggest critic. I can find those 13 second uh, fights and find something that I did wrong in those. And and I think that's why I constantly improve from Mm -hmm. fight to fight. It's because I'm sitting there, and even if it's something minor, uh, that I, I, my left hand was just a little bit too low or my footwork was just a little off, yeah. I'm going to critique that and go into the gym and, and, and fix that problem before the next fight.
0: So who's the second biggest critic?
1: Oh, my dad, my coach. Uh, my my dad's my head coach, and I'll tell you, shoo he's he's old school. <laughs> uh, our gym is old school. Uh, mm-hmm. He's it it would remind you of some like the old pride days of fighting uh you know brazilian top team those gyms like that and it's the same stuff that they were doing that we're doing every day and i think that's what makes tough hard-nosed fighters
0: yeah it's uh there's there's still some of those gyms out there i think people may not realize that yeah. even some of those b- bigger gyms uh there's still some of that hardcore yeah. old school mentality yes sir uh, final thing for for people who are just getting a chance to get to know you you know and 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 they're starting to follow your career what would you want them to know about you?
1: you know i I, I think that the the biggest thing that I want people to know about me is you know I'm, I'm a hard worker and uh, I've dedicated my life to the sport of mixed martial arts and uh, I, i'm I'm very humble uh, I don't think that I'm better than anybody I just know that with my work ethic, I can beat anybody in, in the cage and, uh, I'm just waiting for my time. I'm young. And, uh, I've, I've worked hard to get to the spot that I am, uh, today. So I don't think that there's really anything stopping me from making it to the UFC and doing something while I'm there and, uh, just keep an eye out on me because hopefully, you know, within the next year or two, I'll be there and, uh, fighting on the big stage.
0: And we look forward to seeing that when that does happen here, Robbie, I appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know that you can find on social media and anything else you want to mention,
1: man. Yeah. So, um, you can follow me on social media on Instagram at razor Rob MMA, and you can follow me on Facebook at razor Robbie ring. Um, just, uh, I want to give a big shout out to my team, my parents at, uh, ring combat sports, and uh, I want to give a shout out to my, my agency, Iridium Sports, for, you know, hooking me up with this interview. And uh, y'all come, uh, if, if you can watch, if you can't make it out to Chattanooga, Tennessee, April 22nd to watch me fight, uh, Spectation Sports is streaming the event. You can go to RobbieRing.com and it'll take you right to that link to buy the pay-per-view to watch me. And uh, last thing, uh, I want to give all the credit to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's... Uh, He's been real good to me, and uh, he's blessed me with a lot of uh, talent. And uh, I just have to keep working hard, and he's going to bless me with uh, much more. So thank you for having me on the show.
0: Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who scored a victory in his professional debut, Unified MMA 50, getting a second round TKO victory, Tony. Appreciate the time. You know, when I was I was going through topology, I think one of the things that stuck out to me is it would appear you kind of got a later start in mixed martial arts. Is that the case?
2: Yeah, exactly. So um, I mean, I didn't start training strictly jujitsu is what I started with. And I didn't start doing that until I was about 20 or 21. um, But got into it like pretty hard right away. Started training, you know, twice a day, uh, five, six times a week. um, And then just kept going from there. So I did get a little bit of a later start. But uh, I also came from a like semi-professional soccer background. So I consider myself a pretty athletic guy. I feel like that helped me um, be able to go into the sport already having a little bit of an athletic background and, you know, making up for that lost time.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring that up, you know, because Ed was telling me that uh, you you'd played soccer in, in Costa Rica. And, you know, like, there's times where you, you have, you know, people who've made that transition to mixed martial arts and they come from various sports. And I was like, what what do you think is the best attribute that you like from a soccer aspect? Is there is there an attribute you had in soccer that you feel like really correlated in martial arts?
2: Uh, definitely my cardio. Um, you know, I think A lot of soccer players uh, have very good cardio, but I mean, especially if you um, really work at it, I think that's going to be one of my biggest uh, skills uh, within MMA is just, you know, those guys that can really push the pace and just go, you know, three or five rounds, whatever it may be at, you know, full intensity. I think that's really going to be something that I'm going to be able to weaponize moving forward.
0: Yeah. I, I think of it as someone who's, I mean, I enjoy watching soccer, but no way am I getting out there. That's way too much damn running. I couldn't do all that running, but like, it makes me think about like, you know, you go out to a, to a soccer match and and you see, you know, that player that's on the field for 90, 95, a hundred minutes and maintaining that cardio. Like, do you feel like you brought, it's very similar in terms of how you're maintaining that cardio inside of a fight?
2: Uh, I mean, I feel like it's definitely different energy systems, right? Uh, A fight is, you know, three, five minute rounds of like go, go, go for the most part. And then soccer, it's a little bit like, you know, you'll sprint, then you jog, you know, you might walk for a bit. So I think it's very different energy systems, but they definitely feed off each other, right? I mean, even now, I still play soccer recreationally Mm -hmm. for that reason. Number one, I find it fun. And, you know, I play with a lot of friends that I grew up with and stuff. So it's just, you know, a fun way to hang out with with my friends uh and b it's absolutely beneficial for my fighting right um i think yeah the the changing directions sprinting jogging all that kind of it's just that athleticism that i think is is going to be one of my uh, biggest attributes
0: i almost think about also is reading and reacting because whether you're on the offensive or the defensive end in, in a soccer you're, you're reading the guy that you're guarding like do you do you kind of look at that of do you see similarities in terms of of reading your opponent?
2: I think you could look at that similarity really with with any sport, right? I mean, or I guess a sport where you have an opponent in front of you, um, because you have to again react to what they're doing or you know try to faint them. Uh, that that all applies, of course. It's it's a different skill in soccer than it would be in fighting, but you're right. I mean, you're you're reacting to what that person is doing or you're making them react the certain way that you want them to. And that's definitely something that would apply to both.
0: In in terms of, you know, you talked about, it starts with jujitsu. Like what was the point that it became, Hey, this isn't just something I do to train, but I'm actually going to now take fights.
2: Um, I think it's again, just coming from that athletic background. Right. I mean, I I think about it. I was explaining it to a friend actually the other day and i imagine training like soccer every day, but you never have a game. Right. Like you're just training and training, but you never have that match at the end of the week like you do in soccer. So I think coming from that athletic background, you want to put yourself in that challenge. You want to see how well your training is going. you got to compete against other people. So it started with jujitsu training a lot and then doing jujitsu competitions. Um, I was always interested in just mixed martial arts in general. So when I moved back, I started doing kickboxing uh, as well as jujitsu. So then I did a couple kickboxing fights. And the goal was eventually to put it all together when I was able to, you know, when I felt confident and my coaches felt that I had enough of a base level skill in in both grappling and striking. Um, So, yeah, I started taking the amateur fights. You know, those went well. And I think um, it was just a matter of time until, you know, you start getting punched in the face for money
0: rather than for free. (laughs) Unified 41, September 24th, 2021 is the amateur debut that's right is there something about that night that fight that sticks in your memory
2: if i'm being honest uh like with that fight and most of the fights it's kind of a blur you know (laughs) i remember warming up and then i remember walking out of the cage until i watch it back um but i just think uh i can really lean on that you know the amount of nerves that go into your first Uh amateur fight especially on a scale as big as unified right i mean i'm fortunate to have had all my amateur fights be on uh, uh, a stage as big as unified mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people don't get that opportunity but that came with you know a lot of different things as well and I think so something I lean on I'm like I don't think anything is going to be as scary as that first amateur fight where you don't you know you don't know how good the other guy is going to be you don't know how good you even are really yet right there's so many uncertainties so you know I, I, I definitely remember that aspect of it You know, I had never even been backstage at one of these shows, even though I had teammates who fought uh, at Unified. I'd never even been in the back warming up at any MMA show. Right. So everything was so new as we're from that point moving forward. Of course, there's still going to be, you know, some of those uh, nerves and stuff before a fight. There is always going to be that. But you can just worry about the fight. You don't have to worry about, oh, what time am I supposed to get there? You know, what is it going to look like when I'm warming up? All these kind of things. You don't have to worry about that anymore.
0: In terms of your mindset from that first amateur fight into now your pro debut, how much has it changed?
2: Um, You know, I think there is just a a little bit more self-belief, you know, seeing that the hard work pays off. Um, You know, I've been working with, uh, like a sports psychologist as well, just because I think that that's such a great tool that even people in the UFC don't start using until they're like on a three or four, four fight losing streak, right? And then you'll hear guys saying, oh, i had to start talking to a sports psychologist, right? So um, as soon as I decided to like do this professionally, uh, you know, I knew I had to take every step that I could towards being successful. So that not, not only meant training, you know, multiple times a day, Uh, but also my mental side of it. So I think it's been really helping. Uh, Of course, this victory is going to help with the confidence and stuff like that. But it really just, um, it showed me that that hard work pays off. You know, that training every day for the past six years, um, not everybody can do that. And it really shows when you go out there and you have good performances, right? Um, Out of these five fights, I've won four of them. And the one that I lost, you know, it wasn't... um, like, I got blown out of the water. It was a competitive fight until, and you know, sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to yeah. lose, but all my fights have been competitive. I've shown improvement in each and every single one of them. So I think I can really lean on that. Um, you know, it just goes to show that the hard work pays off.
0: What's the biggest improvement you've seen yourself? Like, is there, is it stuff that it's like more things I've been able to correlate to fight night?
2: Um, I mean, in terms of specific skills, I think, uh, my wrestling has gotten a lot better since I started training with, with, uh, shave bears, right. Um, I mean, such a good team full of killers, great coaches, like it's just, you know, it'd be harder to not get better training there. Honestly, like, right. As long as you're showing up and doing the work with that level of coaching and teammates, you're going to get better. Um, but I think just mixing it all together as well. Right. I'm not, I think when I first started, I thought of myself as a jujitsu guy, um, Right, even though I haven't really even used that much jiu jitsu in any of my fights, but it was always kind of like, oh, I'm a jiu jitsu guy. Uh, as right now, I think I've been able to mix it all together a little bit better. Right. Um, you know, if you would have told me I would have won a professional MMA fight, I wouldn't have thought it was going to be by, you know, knockout or TKO. So <laughs> uh, it's good to see that I'm progressing in, in every aspect of my game.
0: I mean, having that jiu jitsu background, like, is there a moment where you like had that, you know, because I mean, Confidence is such a big thing in, in athletics. I mean, I think anyone who's played, you know, sports at any point in their life, understand like, it, it's like a goes weeks ago, I was out of a, a PGA Tour golf event. And I'm thinking these guys make it look so damn easy, but we all know anyone who's, who's shot a golf club, that shit ain't easy. <laughs> it's, you know, I feel like it's one of the hardest things to do. Like I was talking to a baseball player the other day and they were saying like, it's like, look, you know, he goes, I'm biased but I think hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to, to do in sports because of, of, of what it is. But like, was there like a, a turning point for you in terms of the stand up aspect of this game where like that, the confidence you started to say, okay, I'm feel, I'm feeling confident now on the feet.
2: Um, I mean my last amateur fight, right. That was our game plan going in. It was, um, you know, we know we could probably take this guy down, but the whole point of amateur is for you to gain experience. Yeah. So, um, uh, that was my instruction from my coaches was stand and trade with him a little bit. Prove to yourself because we see you do it at the gym. We know you can strike, but, you know, I felt to myself I was a little hesitant in my earlier fights because, you know, it's just, I think a lack of experience. Um, so we made that the game plan. It's like, can I take this guy down? Probably. But, you know, is it really going to be beneficial to me as an athlete or as a fighter to just, um, in an amateur setting, go out there and do something we already know I can do or is it to push my limits and get into that uncomfortable zone of standing in the pocket and trading a bit um, you know and I I was able to do that and I felt good in there so um, you know you just build off that and same thing at the gym you know just really put yourself in uncomfortable situations that once it gets to the fight they're not uncomfortable anymore
0: you mentioned about training there at shave bears. And of course, you know, just telling great uh, athletes that are there, uh, is there someone in the gym that just knows how to make you feel uncomfortable on the mats and, and to, to get to, to bring the best out in you? Um,
2: you know, I think it depends who I'm training with or what I'm trying to train. Right. Because there'll be guys who, um, you know, in the grappling side of things will just make you feel like you're drowning mm-hmm. or same thing on the striking. We just have so many different bodies that are good at different things. Um, So, I mean, I have like a couple of main training partners that are kind of closer to my weight, right? Um, So, yeah, I mean, just working with all those guys, it's just, you know, it depends on the day what we want to do. But, um, you know, sometimes you get put in what's called a shark tank, right? And you're going in up against a fresh guy when it's your third round and you're just, yeah, you just feel like you're drowning, right, with their pressure. So, um, all those kinds of things, you know, just make you better when you actually get to fight night
0: you know obviously with, with you fighting down in the lower weight classes do do sometimes some of your your bigger training partners like to bring you in just because they want that speed aspect of for you to show them like hey this is what uh, the type of speed that a smaller guy can bring
2: absolutely i think i mean there's benefits of training uh, with people of different sizes right of course we're going to have i'm not going to out wrestle a guy that's you know 40 50 pounds heavier than me but you know i'm probably going to be faster than what their opponent's going to be like so um vice versa. You know, when I train with guys who are bigger, um, I'm going to be faster than them, but you know, they might be heavier. They might hit harder kind of thing. Right. So I think there's definitely something to learn from everybody you train with. And as long as you do it in a smart way, you can still get benefit out of training with somebody who is unrealistically ever going to fight somebody your size.
0: And now that you've got this first one in the books, like, you know, what's kind of the, the, the outline for the rest of this year?
2: uh keep training and keep competing as you know as much as possible so um luckily i was able to get a multi-fight contract with with unified so um you know i know they're usually putting on shows a couple times a year so as long as i can stay healthy which you know thankfully i was able to come out of this fight uh without any really serious injuries Mm -hmm. just some bruises but you know a week or two off and then right back to work right back to training and then you know when they offer me another fight as long as everything lines up just keep trying to do it you know i've been super active. You you mentioned it just earlier, September of 2021 was my amateur debut. That was a year and a half ago. And now this is my fifth fight, right? So four amateur, one pro in the span of a year and a half. Um, So, you know, I think I have the kind of fighting style that is going to allow me to stay uh, fairly active, right? Um, I don't want to go out there and get into wars if I don't have to. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'll rely on my toughness if I have to, but if I can get in and get out without getting hit too much you know why wouldn't i take that approach
0: hey it's like i've got a buddy says you don't want to be an everlasting punching bag that's not that shouldn't be your defense you know you got to put those hands up and, and make sure you know you want to you know if you got to take some you know post fight pictures you don't you don't want a bunch of uh bruises on it uh get, a chance, get to know uh about you as a person so, so let's say you walk to a gym today and they give you control of the music what's going on
2: uh that's funny they actually do that sometimes a lot of the times ah it depends who you ask some guys are big fans of my music some guys are not very happy when it when i plug my phone in (laughs) uh a lot of uh you know spanish music uh Mm -hmm. salsa uh reggaeton um yeah i just i I take a lot of pride in you know my latin heritage so um you know that's that's what i listen to in the back before i go to the fight that's usually the type of music i have as my walkout so um yeah that's definitely my go-to
0: do you have a set playlist like you listen to right before a fight? Uh,
2: no, I wouldn't say it's a set playlist. Just, again, that style of music that, you know, gets yeah. you moving, um, you know, puts me in a in a good mood. Uh, I think it really depends on the guys. I know some guys like listening to, like, rap or, you know, kind of things where like the lyrics are inspiring or, you know, the lyrics are hard. Um, yeah. For me, you know, all these songs are usually... Uh, they're just like fun songs, right? They're usually like love songs or, you know, <laughs> so it's got nothing to do with fighting, nothing about being tough, but uh, they put me in a good movement. They remind me of, uh, you know, just being back home in Costa Rica. So yeah, those that kind of music that just puts me in a good mood it helps relax me.
0: What do you miss most about Costa Rica? Um,
2: my family and and the weather. Definitely. You know, I mean, if there is one thing I could change about Edmonton would be uh, the weather. So um, I miss the, the heat <laughs> of living in Costa Rica. You know, I, I, I prefer, you know, some people are like, oh, it's almost too hot there. I'm like, I would much rather be in plus 30 weather than in minus 30 weather. So, um, you know what, I'll deal with the heat. But uh, yeah, I mean, besides that, uh, obviously, it's a you know, beautiful country. Um, but yeah, the main thing is just my family. You know, I I have very minimal family here, so mm-hmm. the the majority of my family is still back in
0: Costa Rica. I live in Florida, so I know exactly what you mean. I don't want to deal with that cold. Like I I joke with my buddy Liz Connecticut, I go, hey, look, just remember, I don't have to shovel snow. Don't right. matter. <laughs> Never had to shovel snow, and I have no intentions of ever shoveling snow. <laughs> you know. But you mentioned about your family. Were they on board with you going down this uh, fighting route?
2: Um, you know, I'd say they're pretty supportive. Um, the main person I guess would be my mom and she, um, you know, she gets nervous, but she's, she's supportive of of everything I do. Right. She supported me when I moved initially to Costa Rica. Um, I guess I should kind of clarify, but so I was born in Costa Rica. I moved to Edmonton or Toronto when I was about seven or eight lived there for two years, moved to Edmonton, went through high school and everything here. So, um, you know, pretty much the, second half of my youth, I would say would be in Edmonton. And then when I was 19, um, I got my Canadian citizenship. And the first thing I did was move out of Canada. (laughs) So I went back to Costa Rica to try to pursue that professional Mm -hmm. uh, soccer dream. So I mean, she supported me through that, you know, that was tough, because um, she was kind of here left by herself, but she knew I wanted to try to be a professional soccer player. So she was very supportive through that. When that didn't work out, when I started training jujitsu, eventually moved back. And then Again, I don't think she ever saw this going professional either. Like she just knows that I train every day. And then, yeah. you know, eventually I told her, I'm like, oh, I'm going to actually get paid to do this now. So she, you know, supportive, uh, she can't watch any of my fights. <laughs> uh, she gets way too nervous, even showing her the replay after she gets nervous. I'm like, you already know what happened. Like my face is fine, but you're still nervous watching yeah. the video. Right. So I'm like, yeah, you just, you know, I don't want to give you a heart attack. So you, you can just find out what happens after the fact.
0: Uh, what's the favorite app on your phone? Like, is it a, a game, social media site, YouTube, Spotify?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, if I have to put one favorite, I'd say Spotify. I just, I like listening to music pretty much all okay. day, whether I'm cleaning the house, whether I'm working or something. I just, again, just like having those vibes, right? So uh, yeah, I'd say if I had to choose one app, it'd probably be Spotify.
0: Yeah, so, so I'm an Apple guy and I had Apple music for a long time. And then I got on Spotify, I was like, love me some Apple. Spotify, the playlists are a million times better.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I I had Apple music for a while too, but yeah, I don't, I don't know why it's so different. Spotify's just so much better. I feel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, and I'm, I'm Apple. You name the Apple product. I got it. I mean, Mm -hmm. you name it, I got it. But like, you know, I, I feel like Apple music is like, if you're just listening to certain artists, like you're like, I'm listening to this artist and I'm going through the catalog where Spotify, it's like, I I tell you who I like, and you just kind of create this list for me.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I don't even know if Apple does that. They might, so I might sound like an idiot. But, yeah, I feel like that's the biggest thing. I mean, because it'll uh, – like, as an example for me, because I listen to so much Spanish music, I also listen to music in English. It's not solely Spanish music. Yeah. But, you know, it'll give me, like, a 2010s mix, and I was pleasantly surprised and Like you put Spanish and English music in the Oh, wow. Right? So, yeah, it really – curates it based on your like so i don't know if apple does that or not maybe i'm disrespecting apple for no reason but
0: <laughs> i i literally haven't had apple music probably like i don't know six eight months and I, I really don't miss it i don't miss it i don't miss it the the only thing it was at first like it was like when you get in the car and and you know you plug in and, and car is trying to play apple music okay like, yeah, there's nothing there yeah <laughs> yeah that's the only thing but uh do appreciate you coming on the show get a chance to get to know you of course uh, let me know they can follow you on social media anything else want we'll to mention
2: man uh no yeah just uh i appreciate your time appreciate you uh you know kind of helping me uh get out there and you know get people to start knowing my name i feel like um my goal is to go out there and have exciting fights right i want to win them but i'd rather at least be exciting so that's what i'm going to continue to do keep working hard so thank you so much for your time
0: and there you have my conversations with Robbie Ring and Tony Rojas. Of course, I appreciate both those men coming on this episode of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, Robbie Ring going to be uh, taking on Corey Delaney there at Aries Fight Series on April the 22nd there in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tony Rojas coming off his professional debut there at Unified MMA 50, a guy that's been a part of that unified uh, talent there. And of course, uh, training there at Shave Bears. If you're not aware of what that gym is, that's uh, the most notable person that gym would be uh, Tanner Bowes or a lot of Canadian talent in that gym. So uh, appreciate both those men coming about on this edition of the podcast. Of course, uh, coming up this week, we have got the UFC Fight Night card there in Kansas City, Missouri, headlined by Max Holloway, taking on Arnold Allen. That is a great matchup. At 145 pounds, and you know Aaron Allen is a guy that's been looking for this type of opportunity, and you know this is the, this is that litmus test. Like, is he ready for this test? I mean, you know, we, we talked about it last week. Is Adrian Yanez ready for that test? I mean, obviously Aaron Allen's at a different stage in his career than Adrian Yanez is, but this is the biggest fight for Arnold Allen in his career. And uh, just looking over here at the ESPN MMA site, listing uh, Max Holloway as a minus 190 betting favorite. I think that's about right. Uh, of course, the co-main event, we've got uh, my guy here from Tampa, Billy Corintillo, taking on Edson Barboza. Kind of a little surprising here to see uh, Billy Corintillo as a minus 160 favorite. I would have thought that this may be like in that minus 120 range as opposed to that minus 160 range. And, uh, you know, step up in competition for Billy Quarantilla and, and I think it's a it's a great stylistic matchup I know this is a matchup that he had wanted he, he and obviously uh, th- this is one of those fights where you know you know what Edson Barboza does and it's gonna be interesting of see uh, that that should be uh, really you talk about a one-two combination at the top of this fight card man that's a great one-two combination I, I'm looking forward to checking out uh, Barboza and So I would say I mean and, and look and, and are my blinders maybe are my Tampa blinders on maybe a little bit but yeah I'm probably a little bit more interested in the co-main event than I am in the main event but interested in the main event as well but you're know, really the Tomavich just cuz uh, you know Billy's a, a Tampa guy lives uh lives here um, in, in Tampa we we don't live that that we live kind of in the the same general area of Tampa, and uh, as far as I know, Billy has done his entire training camp here in Tampa. He did not go up to uh, Longo MMA. Uh, looking at some other things that are interesting, you got Tanner Boser, of course, moving down. We mentioned about him uh, you know, in that Tony Rojas interview. Uh, Tanner Boser moving down to 205 pounds. He's taking on Ian Kutalaba. Tanner Boser, a slight betting underdog in this one, plus 105 Minus 125 for Ian Kutalaba. Also, uh, you know, some other things that stick out to me on this one, Chris Gutierrez taking on Pedro Munoz. Of course, you know, when, when I think of Chris Gutierrez, I just, I think of leg kicks. I mean, that that's that's the thing that I think of with Chris Gutierrez there. Uh, and obviously a, a nice stuff of competition here taking on Pedro Munoz. Uh, Clay is on this car, taking on Hoffa Garcia. I mean, Clay Guida, I mean, look, it's the guy's been around for a long time. He, he's an OG of the sport, and we know the type of things that he's going to bring you know, but when you look at this preliminary car, there there are some prelims on here that, man, really stick out to me. And I, and I think it's got to be those top two prelims that really stick out to me is Bill Algeo versus TJ Brown and Brandon Royval versus Matthias Nikolai. I'm really surprised that Brandon Royval, Matthias Nikolai is not on the main card. That's a, a great matchup. At 125 pounds, and uh, by the way, yeah, just because I, I see how Zach Cummings is on, on this card, taking on Ed Herman, I was actually kind of surprised to uh, God, who was it on Saturday? James Kraus' names got mentioned, and I was oh, it was a Trey Ogden fight um, because you know he used to be the the head coach of Trey Ogden, and and it's just it's one of these things of like I'm at this point of like. Is it more likely for James Krause's name to get mentioned on a UFC broadcast, or is it more likely to get a Bellator uh, mentioned on a Bell on a UFC broadcast? And uh, you know, it's interesting because we all know we all know that that story with what's going on with the betting scandal and who, who knows where that's going to lead to. It really seems a lot of things have gotten quiet on that situation. Um, you know, I, we're going to kind of see how that one does play out there, but uh, we'll see if maybe the, the James Krause name gets mentioned uh, against Zach Cummings because I mean, look, if, if there was not the betting scandal, you probably would have had a ton of James Krause fighters on this card uh, in, in terms of that one. But, uh, you know, just looking at, at the fight card in terms of glory, MMA, and fitness fighters, um, he would be the only one. Zach Cummings is the only one, which is kind of, uh, you know, really interesting in terms of that one. Lando Veneta is on this card, taking on uh, Daniel zell Hoberger. Lando Veneta just you, you talk about there, there's certain fighters That you just, when they, because of their fighting style, that if you go, they're fighting this weekend, you're going to want to watch that guy. Landon Vanetta is just one of those guys uh, to me. Also, uh, this week on Friday, you got the welterweight and lightweight uh, kickoff for the uh, you know, as, as you look at some of the, the names that are a part of this, C, of course, uh, coming off his championship run, uh, Magamov Mag- 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 Karamov is on this one, taking on Ben Eagley. Ben Eagley is a guy from that Portland MMA scene that I've had a chance to uh, catch up with, talk to him over the years a couple of times. Uh, Brandon Jenkins, another guy has been a friend of the show. Uh, this is, now this is, to me, is really interesting about this fight card on Friday. Is the fact that Shane Burgos versus Olivier Aben Mercier, at least on the ESPN websites listed on on the prelims. That is pretty shocking to me. I got I got to tell you, man. That is that is pretty shocking to me. I would I would not have expected to see Shane Burgos, Olivier aubin Mercier. As, as a part of the prelims. That's uh, guy yeah, makes you wonder if maybe we get to uh, Friday night. Magically, that one's on there. Also, uh, Patrick Brady, guy we've had on the podcast before, he's a part of this PFL card. You know, he's an older heavyweight. Um, you know, He got a late start in mixed martial arts, but he trains up there in that Philly scene, so he is definitely a guy to pay attention to. Of course, that, that fight was supposed to take place uh, last week, but his opponent pulled out. Got a new opponent, so now it's here. It, it's this week. So, um, you know, PFL is in full force. You know, they are. They've got everything going on there. I mean, of course, me and Daniel we talked a little bit about kind of what was going on with PFL uh, last week with the Kayla Harrison comments and. Uh, going to be interesting to see when we see Kale Harrison back in the cage. But I do appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the AmeriPort Podcast. Of course, myself and Dan will be back on Wednesday as we'll get you ready for UFC Kansas City. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about PFL. Talk a little UFC 287 and everything else going on in the world of mixed martial arts.